Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be this morning. And, and I'd like to give you some, some uh, thoughts today and try to get through this. Um, but, and I know you're here for your, your children to watch them. Um, and, and yet, again, like I said, this is the Lord's day. And it is first and foremost about him. And we want to make sure that we do justice and give him the glory that he deserves. Matthew chapter 7, no need to stand this morning. I just want to read uh, four verses today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It's probably a familiar story to many of you. It says, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock... And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and, the, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now, how many of you have heard this parable before? This is somewhat familiar to most of us in here. And for some it may not be, but I think the concept is familiar. That uh, Let me give this to you in today's vernacular, in modern vernacular, this parable of Jesus Christ. Um, let's say that there are two friends... And, and you, and maybe you and another friend, or we'll just use two friends in general... You just, uh, these two friends decide to, that they want to live next to each other, okay? You'd have to be good friends to be neighbors too, okay? So two friends decide, two families decide they're going to live next to each other. So they buy um, a empty, two empty lots right next to each other here in Sioux Falls, which means um, you've spent all your money just on the property, okay? If you've looked at prices for lots around here, it costs a lot of money to buy just an empty lot, so you buy these, these friends buy empty lots and, and they want to save on money, which is smart. So they, they hire somebody to develop the same floor plan. So this house, this family, they're going to build a three bedroom, two bath, 2,000 square foot house with this floor plan. The same floor plan in order to save money, the house right next door, they're going to build the same exact house. And not only they're going to use the same floor plan, they're going to use the same builders, the same contractors, so that when one builder comes up and frames the house, when it's done, they go right next door and frame the exact same thing next door. And I think if you understand construction, you know this, this would save money, it would save time, it would be less expensive because everything is being done at the same time. You could place the order for materials out at the same time, you could save money because the contractors and the subcontractors no, they do the job here. They go right next door and do the same job next door. So, so they're going to build the same house and, and uh, right next to each other. The only difference is, uh, visibly speaking, the only difference is they have different taste in colors and they like different finishes. So for the most part, maybe this person over here likes blue and this person over here likes a red house. So, but, so they'll look different, they'll have different colors and maybe some different trim and the, the, the fascia and the soffit on the outside will look different and be a different color. But for the most part, it's the same house. But let's suppose while they're in the planning stage of building this home, these homes, 
one of the men, maybe this man over here, he follows the plan right down to the letter. But this guy over here, he starts looking at his budget. And he realizes that if he builds the way that the plans are laid out, that he won't be able to have the, the flooring that his wife really wants. And that is a very important thing, men, by the way. Um, let your wife pick those things out if you can. He wants this really nice hardwood flooring. And, she, and she, he made the mistake of letting her go to Home Depot and pick out the most expensive flooring at Home Depot. So he's looking at his budget and he's thinking, man, I need to cut back. Uh, there's no way that I can build this house the way that we want to and still have the flooring that I want. So he starts looking at ways to save money. This guy again over here, he's Mr. Steady. He's going to build the house just exactly like it's supposed to be built. This guy over here says, you know what? Uh, really, the only important thing about a house is the part that you can see. So I'm going to cut some corners in the places that nobody will see. And he says, what will nobody see? Well, he says, you know what? People are going to see the outside. People are going to inside. They're going to see the walls. They're going to be able to see the roof. Uh, they're going to see all that. But the one thing that nobody ever sees is the foundation. So, you know, I think that I'm going to cut some corners on the foundation. Rather than build, uh, you know, pour this slab and, and, and put all the steel and all the rebar and, and make sure the footings are straight and everything is level, that seems like a lot of wasted money to me. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go get some of that, the garden rocks, you know, the river rocks from, from down at Menards, and I'm going to lay out my house and I'm going to put it on that. We're just going to build right on top of that. That'll be good enough. So the process begins and this guy over here builds a really good foundation. He does what he's supposed to. This guy over here goes to Menards and gets not the most expensive river rock, the cheapest river rock, the little river rock. And he lays that down and the building begins. And for a while, everything looks the same. I mean, the houses are going up, the walls are going up, uh, the, the finishes are going in, it's dried in, here comes the windows, here's the roof, everything's getting painted, and it all looks pretty good. And, and, and yet, at the very end of it, this guy has the plan that he had at the beginning. But this guy, because he saved money on his foundation, one day, Home Depot truck shows up with really nice flooring... And they go in and put the nicest hardwood flooring. And because he saved so much money on the foundation, they put in the nicest cabinets, the most expensive countertops. And when they have the open house, people walk into this house and they say that finishes are average. It looks okay. It's nice. But when they walk over into this house and they see the flooring and they see the cabinets and they see the countertops, they're thinking... This is way nicer than the one next door. And the guy over here is thinking, that's exactly what I was hoping. I want everybody to look at my house and think, man, this is amazing. And things are going decently. They move in. And then the first South Dakota derecho shows up. You remember the derecho last year? That big storm that rolled in and the sky turned green and it was like, is, are aliens taking over South Dakota? Is that what's happening here? The wind rolls in, the, the 
rain comes down and, and this guy over here, he's kind of feeling bad. He's feeling a little dumb that his finishes aren't nearly as nice as his neighbor's. But when that derecho rolls in and the winds blow and the rain be starts beating down, he sits there with his family and they just hang out. They're not worried about anything. But this guy in this house, as the winds start to blow, he starts hearing some creaking sounds in the walls. As the, as the rain starts to beat down, he looks down and that hardwood flooring that looks so nice is starting to bubble up with water and mud. They go out, he looks outside and the roof is wobbling back and forth. And that rain is coming and the wind is blowing. And before too long, before they even know what happened, a strong gust of wind comes along and that house collapses right on top of itself. The rains keep coming, a flood comes and washes away all the materials from that house. And if the next day, you would hardly know a house ever stood there because the storm came. Now, you say, that's a pretty dramatic take on this text. It's exactly what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about, uh, and listen, he's talking about the importance of building on the right foundation. And, and a house built on a strong foundation will hardly be affected by the wind and rain. But a house built on the weak foundation will be affected by the least of the wind and rain. And what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is this. What you build upon determines how long it stands. What you build upon determines how long it stands. And if that's the case in house building, and I need to move through this, I, I, then if that's the case in house building, I'm telling you this, I'm going to do all the research I can to put all the money and all the effort and extra steps into the foundation, a foundation of the house that's going to withstand storms. See, none of us would knowingly build a house on a faulty foundation but people do it all the time spiritually. See, Jesus gives the same idea here in Matthew 7. He's talking about how to build a house. But he's not just telling us how to build a physical house. He's talking about how to build a spiritual house. And by that I mean, yes, your home. But what he's really talking about is your life. He's giving you a glimpse into the kind of life that he wants you to live, that you could live. And I want you to notice the similarities between these two things. The, the blueprints are the same. I mean, think about it. The floor plan is the same from there to there. Uh, and apart from the foundation, there's really no distinction between the houses. And that's what Jesus is saying. The idea is that the houses are the same. So the foundation is the, the one variable that makes the difference. And what is the foundation that Jesus refers to? Well, look what, he, look what he says in verses 24 and verse 26. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Look down in verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. What Jesus is talking about is he says the strong foundation for life is the person that hears my words and obeys the person that hears my words hears my truth and does them 
That's the person that builds on a strong foundation. And he says, whosoever hears, everyone that hears. That's what he says. And here's the message. The foundation of a strong life is the word of God. God's truth is this, in this book, is what you and I must build our lives on. And what Jesus is saying is there are two kinds of builders. There are those who build their lives on God's word and those that don't build their lives on God's word. What does that mean? Well, how do, how do I build my life on God's word? Here's how you do it. When the Bible speaks, you obey. Where it says something clearly, you, do, you obey. This week we taught the kids about proper obedience. And the way that I defined it was if you want to obey the right way, obey with the right attitude, obey right away, and obey all the way. Now, that's a pretty good um, definition of obedience, isn't it? Uh, that I'm going to obey with the right attitude, I'm going to obey right away, and I'm going to obey all the way. How many of you wish that your kids would do that every time you told them to do something? I do. I wish my kids would obey with the right attitude. I wish that they would obey right away, and I wish they would obey all the way and do everything that I asked them to do. That's what God is, Jesus is talking about when it comes to obedience. If we are going to build our lives on a foundation that lasts, we must obey God's word with the right attitude. We must obey it right away, and we must obey it all the way. Here's my question. Are you obeying the way the Bible tells you you ought to live? Where it speaks to you, where it tells you to do something. Are you paying attention where it says we ought to live holy lives? Are you paying attention when it talks about how we ought to be careful of the things we look at and the things we listen to and the things that we take in? Are you paying attention when it talks about how the importance of training up a child and disciplining a child, where it mentions the importance of being a contributing member of a local New Testament church family? Are you following those instructions? See, everybody, here, here it is. The blueprint is the same. Everybody hears the same word. Everybody hears the same word of God. In other words, see, I think it's a little bit dangerous when, when sometimes people, they sit around and they say, hey, let's read a passage and let me tell you what this passage means to me. And you tell me what this passage means to you. Well, I mean, I think there's some value in having God speak to you personally through the passage. But God's word doesn't say something different to everybody. God's word says the same thing to everybody. The blueprint is the same. Everybody hears the same word. And you, have a diff you don't have a different set of instructions than I do just because, I mean, I was raised in a, in a Christian home, but that doesn't mean that God has different requirements for me. I read this week about a guy, I think in Finland, who got a speeding ticket, and his speeding ticket was over $100,000. Here's why. Because they said he's a very wealthy man, and in Finland they give you a speeding ticket not based on your speed, but based on your income. And because he had a whole bunch of money, his fine was over $100,000. I might not mind that because my, I mean, I could speed and give like $5. That's it. You know, there were, all of us would be like, no big deal. No, but listen, that's not the way God works with us. He doesn't give you a different set of standards than he gives me. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter where you were raised. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know or don't know. The blueprints are the same for everybody. We all have the same standard. 
Here's another thing that's true about both of these builders. They had the same blueprint. The second thing that's true is this. The storm was the same. The same wind, the same rain came. It wasn't worse for one than the other. And listen, this is life. Everybody faces storms. Everybody has difficulty. Everybody has tough times. And there are some that have harder circumstances than others. But I will say this. You shouldn't assume that your life is harder than everybody else's. Everybody has trouble. Everybody has difficulty. And you may look at somebody and say, well, their life is perfect. You don't know what they're going through behind closed doors. Here's the truth. Everybody faces the same storms. They may look a little bit different and the rain may fall a little bit differently and the wind may blow a little bit differently. But understand the the point that Christ is making is this. Just because you obey God's word or even if you don't obey God's word, you're still going to face storms. You may have put everything in order in your house. You're still going to face some storms. And see, this is where we struggle. We think, well, I've committed to Christ. I'm not supposed to face storms. No, that's not the way it goes. Jesus actually says a mark of discipleship is that you will have struggles. You will have trials. So I want you to just understand these two men building these houses. The blueprints are the same. The storms coming down are the same. But the outcomes aren't the same. There's a big difference in how it looks at the end. And what he's saying, what Jesus says, if you listen to my word and obey it, your house will remain standing. If you do not listen to my word or you listen to my word and don't obey it, your house is going to fall flat. You can have the same blueprints. You can face the same storm. But if you don't do what my word says, your house is going to fall. If you hear and do, your house will stand. If you hear and don't do, your house will fall. Listen, the storms of life will prove the strength of your foundation. The storms on your life are going to prove the strength of your foundation. Hearing is not enough. Here's the thing. Doing is what makes the difference. Doing makes the difference. Our whole theme this week has been obedience. We've been trying to put your, put your children in scenarios where they're, they're obeying. I Literally, we're doing scenarios like you're playing video games and your mom or dad comes down and says, take out the trash. What do you do? I mean, those are real life scenarios. and those are, we, We've been trying to teach them to obey. And to obey is to put yourself in a, to, the position to experience God's blessings. And we looked at Old, Old Testament characters like Deborah and Samuel and, and Gideon and how they obeyed and God blessed them. And then we looked at Samson's life and how there are things in his life he didn't obey and he suffered for it. And listen, all of these folks had the same word of God. All of these folks had the same blueprint. All of them faced the same kinds of storms. But some stood and some did not. And the difference is those who obey God's word will remain standing. The key to blessings is dependent on our obedience. And let me just tell you this. The key to your children and their continued obedience is not your continued preaching and teaching at them every day. It is them seeing you model what it looks like to obey God. Sometimes we think, well, our children will learn the lessons and I'll do what I want and it won't make a difference, but they're watching you. They're seeing you. They're watching how closely you listen 
to God's word. And listen, it is your response to God's word that will likely determine whether or not your children are left standing. And when you think about that, man, it starts to get pretty serious, doesn't it? There's so many applications. I, want to, I just want to talk about two. I'll talk about raising children. And, and I'm thankful. Raising children is the most rewarding job in the world, and it's the hardest job in the world. Being consistent feels impossible sometimes. Sometimes your children are doing something, and you're like, whose child are you? Where did you? Oh, yeah. And then you look at your spouse, and you say, oh, yeah, there's where they came from. No, let me just give you some truths about, about raising children. Did you know that you're responsible for the moral education of your children? See, a lot of parents in our culture, a lot of people think that they're going to have somebody else teach their children how to live for God. So, you know, they, they depend on church, they depend on Sunday school, they send their kids to youth group and all of these things. And those things are good. I'm not saying they're bad. Eastside Baptist Church is here to help you with that part in your child's life. But it is ultimately your responsibility as a mom and dad to, to, to teach your children a moral education. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we looked at it this morning in men's prayer meeting. And the responsibility lies with mom and dad at home. And it is not somebody else's responsibility. And it's not somebody else's fault if they don't get it. Listen, it is our responsibility to teach our children moral education and a godly education. and How to be a person of character. How to know God. How are you doing at that? Are you teaching your children a moral education? It's your responsibility. Did you know another principle here? Did you know that training is just as important as discipline? Meaning, we, a lot of times we think, we live in a very reactionary culture, don't, don't we? That everything we do is a reaction to something that we don't like. And sometimes can't parenting feel that way? Then all you do is react to the next wrong thing your child just did. And if you've got more than one child, it seems like there's always somebody disobeying. And so you're always just reacting to everything they're doing. But there is a part of parenting that's not supposed to be reactionary. There's a part of parenting that's supposed to be deliberate. And that is training. That you take the time with your children to help them know if they're in a, facing a certain situation, here's how they're supposed to respond. Did you know it's possible to train your children to obey you with a good spirit? Did you know it's possible to train your children not to throw fits at Walmart when you say they can't have candy? Did you know it's possible to train your children to be respectful to you? To, it is possible because the Bible says that we can train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it, the Bible says. It's possible. That means that you train before and apart from discipline. And it takes work and it takes time. But training has to take place. And there are many homes that never do it. The only thing, the only interactions between mom and dad and children are reactionary. The only interactions are reactionary to something the child has done wrong. No, it takes time and it takes effort and it takes patience and it takes God's grace sometimes. But it is possible to train your children. That is your responsibility. That's what it means to hear and do God's word. That we take the principles of God's word and we train them. Here's another question. Did you know you can expect obedience from your children and get it most of the time? 
it's possible. I think most parents are frustrated and, or angry because they just, they've never taken the time to expect obedience the right way. But you can train them to obey. And it takes effort and self-control and God's help. But it's doable. I'm just telling you this. What I want you to get, the first point today, is that Bible speaks a lot about parenting. It has a lot to say about how to raise your children, about how to build your home. And we have the Bible, we have the blueprints. The problem is many of us have heard it and we are just simply not doing it. The difference between a house that stands and a house that falls is hearing and doing. How are you doing when it comes to God's word in your parenting? Here's another application Faith. How can we help our children have strong faith if we don't have strong faith? You know, the foundation for strong faith is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again because I don't want you to miss this. The, the, the foundation for strong faith is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, we can build the nicest houses. They can look beautiful on the outside. But if our foundation is not on Jesus Christ... Our houses will fall flat. Our lives will fall flat. Let me give you just these three truths, four truths about salvation, about your faith. Here's what the Bible says. We all have a problem, and that problem is sin. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Romans 3.10 says, all have sinned. And Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. We all have a problem, and that problem is sin. Number two, sin has a consequence, and that consequence is death. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. What you deserve because of the sin in your life is eternal separation from God forever. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So you have a problem. Your problem is sin. Your, your sin has a consequence. And the consequence of your sin is death. And there's only one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's one answer to your problem of sin. There's only one person that can take away the consequences of your sin and, and that his, his name is Jesus Christ. And your responsibility, your one responsibility is to accept Christ's payment for your sin on the cross. You have to turn from your sin, acknowledging that your sin can't help you and your ways can't help you. Baptism isn't enough. Good works aren't enough. No, the only thing that can save you from the consequence of sin is turning to Jesus Christ and placing your faith in him and him alone. And this morning... This morning, you can make that decision for Christ. We had children make that decision this week. And if you, listen, here's the point. The Bible says these things. It's not enough to hear them. It's time for you to do something. Doing is what makes the difference. If you simply hear, your house will fall. But if you hear and do, your house will stand. I heard about a house in Florida 
uh, recently in the Florida Panhandle. And they built this house um, on purpose there in, in a place called Mexico Beach um, to withstand the, uh, the hurricanes that would come along and hit the panhandle of Florida. And they actually, in their words, these two men that built this house, they said our job or our goal was to build uh, a house for the big one. They built it for the big one, meaning the big hurricane, that once in every 500 year storm, that one that hits directly, that's what we were building for. We were going to build so that it would stand the hardest, biggest hurricane that came along. So they built the house out of poured concrete. They reinforced it throughout with rebar and steel. Then they added additional reinforcement by bolstering the corners of the house. Then they put the house up on elevated on on pilings, concrete pilings, so that if the water came in, it would flow right underneath the house. And, and humorously, they called it the sandcastle. Seems like a misnomer to me. But in the fall of 2018, Hurricane Michael slammed the Florida panhandle, Mexico Beach, that city in which the sandcastle is located. And after Michael was done, there was extensive damage. I mean, it leveled much of the community. But there's an image that presents the truth of what Jesus was talking about. And I want to show you that image this morning. This is Mexico Beach. And if you'll notice, <clears throat> the house in the forefront, that's the sandcastle. And there's a few other houses heavily damaged houses that are still standing but you look at the sand castle and it looks as new as the day it was built and the reason for that is because these people that built these two men that built this house said we are going to focus on the foundation of our house we're going to build on the foundation. This is the sand castle, and yet it's standing strong. And I just want to leave this up for a minute because I want to say this to you. This could be a picture of your life. This could picture your life, all the storms of life. All these houses face the same storm. All of these houses had decent blueprints. Many of them looked strong before the storm hit, but only the one with the strongest foundation was left standing when it was all said and done. And I want to just tell you this. If you want your family, if you want your house, if you want your life to, be remain, to remain standing when all is said and done, then you must look at God's word and see what it says and say, I'm going to do what God's word tells me to do no matter what. You have to determine how badly you want to remain standing. My question to you today is this. Are you built for the big one? You cannot avoid the storms of life, but you can remain standing. You can't avoid the difficulties of raising children, but if you follow God's word, you can drastically enhance their chances to remain standing with you. I want you to look closely at the picture. There's the sand castle right there. Look directly behind it. You see that other house? Do you think that house right behind the sand castle would be standing if the sand castle wasn't right there? I don't think there's a chance. And if there's nothing else, this is a picture of your life and the impact you could have on your children. 
Because if you will build a strong life, you will greatly raise the likelihood of your children building a strong life too. And if you will say, I'm building my life on the foundation of God's word, your children are going to see that. And you know what they're going to say? The storms were hard, but mom and dad are still standing. And if God's word made that much of a difference in their life, I, I want to do what they're doing. You can turn that off, guys. I, I just want to ask you this. Listen, are you built for the big one? Okay, raising children, that's a big one. Are you built for it? If you're not following God's word, you're not ready for the hurricanes of life. Second, are you built for the big one? Meaning, no one gets to avoid death. Someday, you will face God, you and you alone by yourself. And you'll answer for your life. Are you ready for that moment? Have you done what the Bible says you must do? Place your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's the only way to be ready for the storm of death. Are you built for the big one? Are you ready for it? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'll just ask you a couple questions. Do we have parents in here that would say, I would like to uh, help my children. I haven't been doing enough teaching God's word to my children. I'm responsible for it. I've heard it, but I haven't really been doing it. And I think I probably need to take a step up in the responsibility it takes to morally educate my children. Would you say, if any parents in here, would you just raise your hand and say, I'm raising my hand because I know I could do a better job at that with my own children. Anybody else in here? I'm, I'm, there's ple all over the place. I'm thankful for your sensitivity to that. Listen, if you want children that remain standing, you must hear and do God's word. Second, uh, do you know that if you died today, you'd be on your way to heaven? Do you know that? Would you raise your hand and say, I know 100% for sure that I'm on my way to heaven with my dad. It's all over the room. I'm thankful for that. But maybe, maybe you weren't able to raise your hand. Would you, nobody's looking around, and, and I'm not going to point you out. I'm just going to pray for you. Would you say, I don't know if I die today. I, I don't think that I've built on the right foundation when it comes to heaven. I'm not sure I'm ready for the big one. Would you just raise your hand and say, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. I don't know. I see a hand over here. Thank you for that. You can put your hand down. I'm praying for you. Anybody to my right in these sections here, you say, I'm not sure that I'm ready for that storm. I don't think I've placed my faith in Christ like I should. Anybody to my left, your right, raise your hand just real quick. Okay, so we have, we, have, we have some that have raised their hand this morning. Let me just tell you this. If you will admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and even right now in your heart, cry out to him and say, Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive my sin. And I place my faith in you right now. You can be saved this morning.